We're magnificent beings. And we don't see that because we equate our value with our behaviors. So if we can see the magnificence of our own existence, that we're magnificent just because we exist, then we can see who and what we are in a different life and be less inclined to behave, you know, in a way that hurts people. If your continuing search for answers has led you nowhere, you will find the truth here on the Forbidden Doctor Podcast. Seek the truth with your hosts, Dr. Jack and Mary Stockwell. Hey, everybody. It's Dr. Jack. And Mary. And we are here with podcast episode number 96, Forbidden Forgiveness Revisited. What you're looking at here, if you're following on our webinar, is a very imposing picture of two gentlemen from Rwanda. One is a Hutu. The other one is a Tutsi. And if you remember a little over two decades ago, the horrible slaughter that took place in Rwanda, where anywhere from 800,000 to a million of the Tutus were slaughtered by the, the uh, or the Tutsis were slaughtered by the Hutus. Mm -hmm. and, and these were their neighbors. Neighbors, for Na crying out loud. Sometimes friends. L living next door, working with one another, mm -hmm. but two different religious groups. And so the, uh, what, what's happened to them? 22 years later, what's happened to the Hutu and the Tutsi? And how did they, did they get to a place of reconciliation? Yes, that's what we're going to talk this about. This is an amazing story. I love the William Blake quote. It is easier to forgive an enemy than to forgive a friend. Because these were their friends and their neighbors. So you can hear me. Those of you uh, are familiar with my radio show, those of you who aren't, I do live national radio every Tuesday morning, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Mountain an Standard hour. Time mm -hmm. on the Doug Stefan Good Day Show. Um, it's replayed again Saturday mornings, 6 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. You'll have to figure out what your time zone is. If you're not familiar with this and you would like to hear the live show or the replay, you just go to RadioAmerica.com and select Doug Stefan and then you can find out what the radio stations in your area might be. If you can't find a radio station that carries his program, just at RadioAmerica.com during those time periods, 7 a.m. Mountain Standard on Tuesday, 6 a.m. Mountain Standard on Saturday, you can hear it over the Internet through RadioAmerica.com. And we cover different health, a lot of different health topics every week. And for you here in Utah, because we have a lot of listeners in Utah, you can hear... Dr. Jack again on KTKK AM 630 at 6 a.m. Mountain Standard Time here in Utah on the radio. Don't forget to take our free symptom survey. Go to our website, ForbiddenDoctor.com, and take our free survey. It's a $150 value. After you've taken the survey, you can sign in with your username and password at ForbiddenDoctor.com, and you'll see your personalized protocol sitting there waiting for yes. you. You'll also have access to over 600-plus protocols from which you can search any symptom in the world. For example, you can just type in depression because we're talking about forgiveness here. So this that might be a good topic to search for. Just type in depression in the search box and up pops a protocol for depression. So tell your family, tell your friends. If you're not already a member of our website, the only way to see these protocols on our website is to take our Forbidden Doctor symptom survey at ForbiddenDoctor.com. And don't forget to join our texting blast. We just had a huge amount join us um, since we've started telling people to do this. They got in on a really incredible Black Friday sale. So 
there'll be new coupons every single week on on this texting blast. And so you just type in healthy or text the word healthy to 41411. So where you'd normally put the phone number, put the numbers 41411, and then just type the word healthy where you would normally type a text to someone. So this web uh, webinar podcast is not intended to be a diversion away from the current system of disease management. It is our intention to offer a rational and very effective approach to aiding your body in its ability to rebuild and heal. So if you're having a real crisis, you get to the ER as soon as possible. Do not pass go. Do not call our office. Just go. Okay, here is our weekly feature, Forbidden Secrets They Don't Want You to Know. These are the secret things they keep from you, the dumb things they tell you, and the really important things they know nothing about. So I was just answering um, some patient emails the other day, and I sent this as a text out to the crew, you know, our our, seven, crew. our crew. And this this came in as patient asked a question about SVTs, which are, which are supraventricular tachycardia. It's just the heart speeding up faster than it should be. Super. And, and it's <laughs> something that, you know, we would normally suggest organically bound minerals from standard process as well as some Cataplex G. And to come in and get a heart sound recorder. That wouldn't hurt at all. And we're offering that for free. We have a podcast on the heart sound recorder, in fact. Um, but the organically bound minerals are food-based minerals locked up with a protein structure so your body absorbs it immediately, and it's just loaded with potassium. And almost invariably, when you're having a heart that's racing, if you can get some potassium in there, uh, the, your heart will start to slow down a bit. And then some B vitamins to and feed B, the nerves. And that's what the Cataplex G is, are the B vitamins that slow things down. But the reason I sent this to the crew was this was the medical answer, and I, if I remember right, this came from uh, WebMD. Treatment for sudden onset acute episodes of when, quote, when episodes of supraventricular tachycardia, SVT, start suddenly and cause symptoms, you can try vagal maneuvers such as gagging, (laughs) holding your breath and bearing down, and then the Valsalva maneuver like you're having a difficult bowel movement, immersing your face in ice cold water. Okay, then. And diving. <laughs> and I suggest you do that with, with uh, where pearl encruster. Uh, Dive where the pearls the are. The oysters that have the pearls. <laughs> Dive where they are. Or you can just, you know, get some potassium in the body. Yeah, or this... you can gag and throw your face into cold water. <laughs> this was shocking. The and things, I loved it. It was the beautiful. The things they tell you and the things they know nothing about. So again, I go back to, we don't have healers. And then I had to throw in another one. Um, This is a article I got, I think, from CNN. Yes, I did, CNN. Um, There was a perfect storm down in Australia, Australia, and it killed three people. These three beautiful people right here are not alive anymore. So this quote here, people with hay fever are particularly at risk, Newbigin said. That's a doctor. He advised them to better manage their hay fever during the pollen season by using antihistamines, eye drops, and other medications. You've got to love that. Just, just manage it. Do a better job of managing. And he also said they're much less likely to trigger it if there's good underlying asthma control. In other words, not asthma healing or not figuring out why so many thousands, if not billions, of millions of people have asthma now that didn't, we never had that. In the 1950s no. when you were born, I was born in the 60s, there were, I didn't know anybody with asthma. So these three people are dead because they were not allowed to know how to heal themselves.
Boy, have we got a good one today. Well, they're all good. <laughs> this is just a bonus one. This is kind of a bonus one. It, 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 in fact, this may be showing up on something other than our regularly released program. We don't know yet. But we have had so much response to podcast number 16, Forbidden Forgiveness, or the 5-Minute Forgiveness Cure, that we are revisiting the subject because of all the emails and the texts that we've received where it's just very difficult for people to understand the basic concept that you're trying to get to. Well, it's easy when you're sitting in front of somebody, but we don't have anybody here asking questions. So I just kind of spit out my little five-minute five minute forgiveness cure that I normally do. But when I'm one-on-one with a patient or even a friend, it, it comes across so much better. Yes. Well, I've seen through the window... In our office, when you're in a, in the room with a patient, and sometimes most patients just straight nutritional counseling, but every now and then you kind of get into this because they open the door for it. They start bawling and they start crying. Yeah, and then they start laughing. Yeah, by the end we're they're, always they're we're, laughing. We're always laughing. They're laughing that they have carried such a burden they don't need to carry. I don't remember if I talked about this on the last one. And by the way, you do need to go listen to number 16. If you haven't heard it, you because should... Because I'm not going to repeat the whole you thing. You should probably stop this now and go <laughs> listen to number 16 yeah, first. Yeah, because it won't make sense I, if you don't. But did I talk about the suicidal man that came into our office years I ago? I don't think so. But boy, do I remember him. Yeah, he started laughing and laughing and laughing and... It was a father who I, I can't remember if the father was a patient of mine or not, but he brought in his son because his son had just tried to kill himself. And he was afraid his son was going to try and do it again. And he thought somehow in our clinic, which is, does not deal with suicide. Well, but we've been doing, we had been doing the relationship But we show. have been doing this kind of a topic on the, the, the regular weekly radio broadcast in Salt Lake City that, I did for 20 years. You've done it for, what, 15 with me. Mm -hmm. And he thought somehow you might be able to help. So this is a great story. Yeah, because our premise for that was if each one of you in a marriage aren't healthy emotionally, then you can't have a good marriage. It wasn't really about how to get along in a relationship. It was about each individual soul being healthy, just like your kidney needs to be healthy and your liver needs to be healthy in order for your whole body to work together as one. So this man came in, um, young man, and he had told me after that he was planning on committing suicide the next week. And he had been to counseling for years. His father, you know, of course, loved him to death and was sending him counseling, paying for everything. He had been on and off all the drugs. He'd been doing everything. He finally just was so depressed. He finally just decided he was going to do that. And he came in and he told me that. He said, I'm, you know, I'm suicidal. And I said, okay. And he, he kept saying, but, but I'm going to kill myself. And I said, okay, I don't know. That might be the best thing for you. Wow. How can I know that? Well, our society immediately has a stop at that point. No, there is absolutely no excuse whatsoever for that. Yeah. I was like, no, I mean, if that's the most, you're the God of your body, you're the God of you. And that might just be the best thing for you. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you've explored every other reason to not do it ad nauseum. I'm sure everybody's told you, you know, all the, you know, the little 
things they say. Oh, you know, you're going to hurt everybody that's left else. alive. You're going to send your soul to hell. Well, there's that Or too. purgatory or something. Yeah, where scare you're gonna, them out of it. You're going to, as soon as you work. get on the other side, if there is another side, you're going to go, oh, no, what did I do that for? <laughs> oh, shoot, can I have another chance? All the different All kinds the different of logics things. that have been thrown and at him. And I simply validated him. I simply made him appear. I simply said, okay, that sounds great. I mean, whatever you decide, you, that might be the best thing for you. And he just sat there, and I don't remember what we talked about because this was like seven years ago, but, but we talked and talked, you know, about different things. But basically, we just started laughing. He says, nobody said that to me. <laughs> well, I suppose not. Nobody has. All the money we've spent, all the counseling, all the books I've read, all the tears from no, my mother no, and no, my no, father. No, no, Yes. Nobody's ever said, okay. All right. And I said, nobody's validated you in this. You have a really good reason for doing this or wanting to do this. I applaud you. I applaud you for, for being you. And his mouth just dropped open. He couldn't even talk. And then we just chit-chatted and we started laughing. And he said, no, nobody's ever done this. I mean, he kept saying that over and over again. And by the end, he was laughing. We, his father kept peeking in the door, in the window, because we have windows in all our exam rooms. And anyway, we just finally walked out. Well, a year later, he came rushing into our clinic with holding the hand of a girl. And he says, look, 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 I'm getting engaged. Aww. And he brought the girl in. And he says, this is the woman that saved my life. He said that to her about you. Yeah. He pointed to me. He said, because she let me kill myself. <laughs> and I said, no, I let you be you. Yeah. Nobody knows what's going on in somebody else's head. And everybody... We think we do. But, but we do know what's going on in our head. Yes. In fact, we have all the answers in our head. How could we not? Everything we think is the perfect thought. For us. How could it be anything else? It's the perfect one for us. You can't understand the way I'm thinking. I can't understand the way you're thinking. But every thought for me is perfect. Because how can I be smarter than I am? Well, how can you be anything other than what you are? If I don't know it, I don't know it. You know, you can go take some classes and maybe get smarter at painting or, or childbirth or get, something. But in this moment right now, you can't smarter. be smarter than you are. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're looking into you the get future. Some more, you get some knowledge. I can get educated. But in this moment, you can't be any smarter or intelligent or wiser or anything than you are in this very moment. So we got a letter, an email, and... It's, it was a beautiful email because it completely, perfectly personifies the question I get every single time. And I should have addressed it better, I think. But again, I didn't have somebody sitting in front of me that was struggling with this. Because you've heard me say this a million times. Yes. But honestly, if you make people think, if you make people think they're thinking, they'll love you. But if you really make them think, they'll hate you. We, yes, because when you really think, you have to question all your basic propositions. All the pillars that your personal philosophy is based on. When somebody makes you really think about something, you have to re-examine them. You may validate it and accept them, 
but it's uncomfortable to well, examine your basic propositions. Because there's nothing in life so hard as letting go of what you thought was true. Absolutely. The, 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 absolutely. The most difficult thing in life is that, to let go of something you once thought was true. Yeah. So the hardest thing to repent of is a sin you believe is a virtue. So. Yes, a uh, philosopher once made a comment to that effect that we would be surprised of, you know, speaking on behalf of the Lord. I don't know whether he was or not, but to something to the effect that we would be very surprised to find out that some of our sins we worry about, God hardly winks at, but some of the things we think are our greatest virtues, he considers our greatest sins. And so with that idea in mind, would you repeat that quote one more time? The hardest thing? Uh, let's see. The hardest thing to repent of is the sin you believe is a virtue. Right. That's from Paul. Right. <laughs> Paul said that? Yeah, our, okay. our good friend our Paul. Our good friend Paul. Yeah. The hardest thing to repent of is the sin you believe is a virtue. Yeah, because our lives are based on what we perceive to be our virtues. Well, that's the where basic one, forgive, forgive, just forgive. And that's what Mary. we're going to be talking about here. Just simply forgive. What is the matter with you? Forgive and forget. <laughs> Move on. Yeah, well, that's worked out really well. <laughs> okay, so we got a letter. Jack's so going to read this it. This is from James, and James is a longtime fan of our old relationship show as well as the regular radio show, Health Show. And he heard podcast number 16, Forbidden Forgiveness. And like you said a few moments ago, he came away with a lot of conclusions in his mind that a lot of people do that misunderstand the difference between understanding something and forgiving something. And there's a big difference between the two because forgiving something without understanding why is force. Yeah, it's fake. And it's fake. It's a fakery. It's a fake. And, I, and I'm going to refer just for a moment here before I read this letter to the book of Romans where Paul is writing the letter to the Romans. And there's that one quote in there, and, and it's the same thing. He experienced the same thing with the Romans, the early Christians in Rome when he was telling them that God's grace came because of sin. And if God's grace came because of sin, why don't we just sin a whole lot more so we can have a whole lot more grace? In other words, if, if God forgives you... As if you, sinning's fun. Well, that's it. There's consequences to this. <laughs> There's terrible consequences when you hurt people, when you sin against people. So Paul is using that basic tautology there to try to teach these people something about, no, 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 you misunderstand the concept of, of what really grace and understanding what somebody else is walking a mile in their shoes well, means. that's what we're going to so do. So that's what we're and going to address. And by the end, you're going to know why there are wars on this earth. You're going to know why there's pedophilia and murders and adultery and lying and robbing and all the horrible negative things in the world. And you'll also know why there are people like Mother Teresa. Yes. Why there's Gandhis, why there's Jesuses, why there's your next door neighbor that you never knew. Right. And, and yet there's a lot of people when you talked about that in podcast things. 16 who come away thinking that you're saying there's no consequences to hey, go do whatever you want to do. Well, that's the biggest criticism I get. That's the biggest criticism and it's absolute nonsense. Well, well I, let me take that back. It's not nonsense. It's just a misunderstanding. It's just, you know, when I... I'm going to make you think harder. All right. You're going and to probably they're, hate they're me. They're going to hate you if you I've make already them think. had one lady that got really upset and she's, you know, she unsubscribed from our mailing list. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right. Let me read this. Hi, Jack and Mary. I'm going to do some criticism of your last podcast, 
But I want you to first know that I respect you both and have learned a lot from you over the years. As for the last podcast, Mary, on Jack's radio show a couple of years back, you were talking about the same thing as far as our inability to do the wrong thing, given the moment, knowledge, and where one is. I guess mentally in that moment. So, you're saying that people who do truly evil things, such as abduct, rape, murder, torture, not to mention all the other rotten things people do to other people, are somehow excused mm. or not bad because of the circumstances of the moment. I do say they're not bad. You're right. But they're not excused. <laughs> they're certainly not excused. And, and, and now, Keep reading. Oh. I want to interject this idea here because you're saying, you just said they're not bad. You're talking about their internal value. Because yeah, I'm not people, saying they didn't do evil things. Right, because people, people think when you say this that they're not bad after they've done something bad, mm-hmm. that somehow what they did wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. This is the way and we, that's not what you're saying at all. This is the way we control them in a very shallow Yeah. When you say that even the murderer isn't bad, you're talking about the basic eternal value deep inside themselves that they were born with. They may still face capital punishment. They may still face lifetime imprisonment. They still have the weightier matters of the law they have to deal with that said you don't kill people. But you're not excusing them of the crime they've done by any means. That's all I've ever said. I know. Nobody but, but ever people, hears me. I know, but they <laughs> think... They it's think, like I'm not here. They it's think like that I'm... what you said, that in order to understand <laughs> the murderer in the moment that he committed murder, that somehow understanding what he did absolves him of what he did and lets him go on his way. That's ridiculous. Uh, well, of course it's ridiculous, but that's what people think you're saying. So yeah. that's what we want to try and clarify. I'm going to clarify that. So, so let me go on further here. Okay. Uh, Do people not have a choice to do what they do even in the head or physical space they are in at any given moment? Well, yes, they are making choices. Keep reading, because the next line... Should people not be held accountable for their actions? There we go. This is where I want to scream. Okay. Scream. (laughs) No, no, no. I, I, I keep... I want him to continue on. Are we such victims of our own circumstances that we're just mindless reactionaries? This reminds me of the defense of many a criminal by defense attorney stating that the perpetrator should have a lesser sentence because of their bad childhood environment. See, they're tr- he's saying that I'm saying there's no consequences. Yes. And he, he spends the rest of the letter talking about how there has to be consequences. Yes. And I'm like, um, wait. Back up. I never said that. So your whole argument for the rest of the letter is invalid is because invalid. you never once said there's no consequences never. for what we do. Of course there's consequences. In fact, if we truly had our value intact, we would see those consequences and die for them and want to repair them. But because we get our value ripped out of us when we do something, quote, bad or a sin, we can never look at that because we can't go there. We can't disappear. We can't. Yes. In our own mind. We can't disappear. We are valid in our so own mind. So we have to categorize so them, even... objectify them as rotten, evil, nasty, dirty people, throw away the key. Well, even, our, even what we did, we have to not look at it. At what, oh, yes, we at what can't we've even done. really quote repent. Well, I did, what I did wasn't as bad as what they did. Yeah, you know, or something like that. Right. So that that's my whole point is this would this would cure everything. We would be able to see it. But go ahead and keep reading. Okay. Yes, some people have horrendous pasts. It's tragic. 
The psychic scars are deep and profound, but everybody knows the difference between right and wrong. We are responsible for our actions. I doubt you're saying we are not. But I have a problem with the everybody is just doing the best they can in any given moment, end quote. This is so new agey. <laughs> well, when he says it's new agey, what he's doing is objectifying you as what you're saying is not valid because it's new agey, as though there was nothing in the new age philosophy of make love, not war, and to love one another and to forgive one another and to take care well, of one another. it trivializes me. None of me. that stuff is valid, right. and in the, the result trivi- is that it trivializes you. It trivializes me. Things are name very... Name-calling. When yes, you start name-calling. It's still valid to me. So you can, you can trivialize me, and then we have another problem, so we don't deal with the main problem, which is what he was talking about here, because now we have to deal with the fact that I'm new-agey. Yeah, you must be new agey if you believe that what people do bad, they yeah. don't have to pay for it. So he's really which fr- is nonsense. Which is, but that's not what he's really saying. He's really saying that they their value has been dinged. That's what he's well, really saying. Then let's get into that. Yeah. As I write, the quote continues here. As I write this, I understand where you're coming from. Does he? Well, I don't know. Keep reading. The nature of reality is so mysterious. The deeper you go, the deeper and more mysterious it gets. Is the side to side with forgiveness, the benefit of the doubt, so to speak. The facade of forgiveness? See, see that's now, just he like... he says the side of forgiveness. I know, and I wrote in facade. Right. Because what do you mean? Just just choose that? Oh, just forgive. Forgive and forget. Don't think any harder than that. Yes. Let's just... Just forgive. Just, just forgive them for forget. what they did. Oh, okay. I'm being a witness to a healing... I just told her to forgive and forget, and, and she did, and wow, see how we can all just go on and live in love and peace, but oh, oh yes. wait, we're not. We're not living in love and peace. We no. are not. We are so not. So let's think a little bit harder and figure this out. Well, forgiveness in that circumstance is nothing but condescension. Yes. You know, some elevated self-righteous position trying to grant forgiveness because you cannot truly forgive if you do not first understand. And we've got some examples of that coming up here in the horrors of Rwanda. Yeah, it's so insulting when somebody comes up to you and says, I forgive you. I mean, don't you just feel... Oh, I've had people... You feel this knot in your stomach. I I know. I've had people come up to me... And you're like, but wait, you don't understand why I did what I did, but you can't even get it across most of the time. I read this book on... Or um, can you forgive me? Yeah, Can you just forgive too. me? That, Can, can't you just no, forgive me? No, I want you to understand what I feel. Right. And that's, that brings me to revenge, which I think is a, oh, boy, I'm going to get bad letters for this one. <laughs> I think is a wonderful concept. I think revenge is a bringing together and the oneness of, a, of two souls or maybe two nations, that type of thing. I need you to understand what you did to me. I need... There's, there's, I, I need to be one with you. I don't want to punish you. I don't want to kill you. I don't want to do all these things. Yes, I may want to do that eventually. The law may if, require no, it. If, if I don't get understood, if I don't get understood. Now, let me give you an example. I hate to stop in the middle of this letter, but this is really important. Okay. In Rwanda in 1994, I think it was. Yes. There was the the huge uh, massacre. Oh, uh, over a million people were slaughtered. The Hutus were killing the Tutsis. Yeah, let me bring up this picture here. I know everybody can't see it, but I just searched it out on YouTube, or I mean on Google. And this will be at the end of the podcast. The link. Yeah, I'll put the link here. 
and it's the New York Times Magazine. And I remember this because it's so burned into my memory. And this is rough, so we might have to put an explicit on the end of this program. But this is really rough. These were Hutus and Tutsis, and they um, slaughtered the... The Hutus killed, was it Tutsis. almost a million Tutsis? Over a million, Over a million estimate. of the Tutsis yeah. with machetes. With machetes. They didn't have guns, which have been a lot more humane, but it was machetes, and it was horrific. So please take your little children away right now and don't let them listen to this podcast, but... Because if there's ever a concept of understanding and forgiveness, it would be represented in this horror. Now, this really happened, okay? This isn't anything we're making up. No, this, this isn't some macabre Hollywood movie. No, this really happened, and you have to understand this. What this article was about was years, years later, they made peace with these perpetrators. We'll call them perpetrators. We could call them devils. We could call them Murdering, murderers, slaughtering devils, raping. the Hutus. Yeah, we could call them that. Boy, this is, this is a tough one to understand. So you've got to think hard because to, for, for you to come out on the other end and see them as, as, as pure and innocent and... To see who on the other end? The, the people the who murderers. were murdering you and your family. Yes. To see them as innocent on the other end of this. Yes, this is a big leap in evolution. Oh, my goodness. If you can and understand... this is Central Africa we're talking about. We're not talking about enlightened Western society. Oh, that's ridiculous. But we're all like this. We're yes. all the same. It doesn't matter what color our skin is. So, so these, these Tutsis, this whole article was on the people that forgave quote, forgave their perpetrators. Now, let me tell you how they forgave, okay? And, and I don't think they got true understanding, even still. I don't think there was complete forgiveness when this article was written. And, and the author even says that. You can tell from the photographs who really has forgiven or who really hasn't. Now, he uses the word forgiveness, and I don't like that word. I would rather say understanding. Yes. But it's tough for a perpetrator to understand what they did to another person. It's tough to ever make amends for that in this life sometimes, when it's especially with horrible. murder, yes. because you can't bring the person back. You really can't make amends to, to the fullest extent, yes. I don't think. But these people tried, which is amazing, and they didn't do it fake. And this is how they did it. This lady, Epin... Epiphany Muka Musiani. Beautiful name here. She was a survivor of a man who killed her son. I, this is what she said. I was pleased the way he testified to the crime instead of keeping it in hiding because it hurts if someone keeps hiding a crime he committed against you. Do you see that? Yes. Do you see how she's able to maybe... Start to understand where he came from. At least he said, hey, I did this. I am so sorry. Okay. Here's another woman, Juvenile Nazbamawita. I do want to say their names. This is a perpetrator who looted and damaged her pro property. Her husband and sons were killed, and they killed and threw her girls in a latrine. This is what he said. I told her that I would stand by her with all the means at my disposal. Just the perpetrator is saying yeah. this to, to the survivor. And many of these did this. They came back to the survivors and said, 
I will stand by you the rest of your life. You know, in a flip side, when somebody saves your life, you know, the old no, mo- you owe the them movies, your life. you owe them their life yeah, and they're yeah. their slave forever and ever yes. and ever. And that's in the flip side. That's a good thing. This is just the other side where they did something terrible and they're trying to make up for it. Of course, they never will. But isn't this a beautiful expression of their soul? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's another lady, um, Evesta Mukanyandewi. She is a survivor of a man that tried to kill her and her children. The man, his name is Godefroyd, was provided with trainings how to ask for forgiveness. So this is a cool thing. There was this beautiful nonprofit like Mother Teresa type organization that came into Rwanda and tried to teach people how to forgive. Wow. Yeah, to even ask for forgiveness. We could use a little of that in this country. Yeah, he was provided with trainings on how to ask for forgiveness, just to ask for forgiveness. They understand. You might not get it. Yeah, but... But but to... But to have training... This is part of the understanding instead Christ- of the forgiveness. This, this is, is a Christian country. What, Rwanda Rwanda is, is a Christian... Well, they have a lot of tribal stuff there, but this is a Christian country. Okay. And they needed training on how to ask for forgiveness. Yeah. What a concept. Yeah. So she said, this lady, the survivor that tried to kill her and her children, I used to hate him. When he came to my house and and knelt down before me and asked for forgiveness, I was moved by his his sincerity. Now, if I cry for help, he comes to rescue me. When I face any issue, I call him. Wow. Now, this, this is forgiveness. It may not be all the way, but this, this is the true sense of understanding somebody else. This, the, the only way this could happen is if another person comes to you and begs for forgiveness. That's the only way you can even open up this door. And they, and they do it in a way of, I'll listen to you while you tell me how horrible you're hurting. Yeah, see, that doesn't come through in the interview here. No. What, what is not being said here is the discussions back and forth between them. Why did you do what you did? No, and this you is know there was discussions. Oh, you know there was wailing. Wailing, you screaming. You killed my son. Yes. You know this wasn't a simple, oh, you know, this is going to make me feel better if I forgive you type yes. thing. Yes, right. No, no, right. not when it's this much. What if the United States went to the countries where they, their little babies were killed? Maybe innocently, collateral damage. But what if they went to them and begged their forgiveness? For killing And their then babies. the mothers would just bawl and wail. And, and when they felt like they were understood, maybe the sense of revenge to hurt the other person would be gone. To hurt America, to come and bomb America. Yes. What if we listen to them? Do you think... Instead of just objectifying them as unreasonable enemies that need to be destroyed. Crazy religious people. And just go ahead and bomb them and bomb the schools, bomb the hospitals. People don't do suicide bombings for no reason. And they are completely, utterly, totally justified in it, in their mind. Oh, yeah. In their mind. Yeah, it's just... You can't negate that. You can't sit there and go, oh, they're brainwashed. Well, still, even if they were, in their mind, they thought it was right to do. And they're very, very angry. Oh, yes. Very, Talk very Talk about angry. commitment. Yeah. 
So, okay. Um, so in, a, in, a, in other words, she said, I used to hate him. Why doesn't she hate him now? Well, maybe because he asked for forgiveness. Maybe because she was able to express what was done to her and how horrific and it was. And he understood the depth and the gravity of what he did to her. Enough to the point she's allowing him to be by her. Yes. Okay. She calls on him when she's in need. Yeah. Here's another one. Viviani Niramana. She's a survivor of a man who killed her father and three brothers. He came and asked for forgiveness and built a house with a covered roof for me. Now I have granted him pardon. Things have become normal. And in my mind, I feel clear. Again, what we don't have here is the intimate conversations that went back and forth between, why did you do this? This is what where I'm, I was what coming What I'm saying from. is, do you think that's fake? Do you think that was just a fake... To uh, come and make all the reparations he possibly could, was he being fake in well, doing that? Well, that, and I mean her forgiving him. Oh, yes. That's what I mean. That's what I'm talking about. Well, now that you put a roof over my head, I guess I have to forgive you. No, I don't believe that. Yeah. I talked about a lady that came in and saw me with... Um, her husband, I mean, her dad had abused her um, when she was little. And in five minutes, I watched her forgive him. Now, truly, I say understand him. Yes. Because I think forgiveness is something we put out there to distract us. I think she understood him. She understood because she knows her father better than, you know, anybody else would know her father. And she could understand somewhat why he did what he did. Because I turned it around on her and I helped her understand that everything she's done, she knows why she did what she did. When she finally was able to forgive herself, and this took five minutes. That's why I came up with the name, Five Minute Forgiveness Cure. When she was finally able to understand that she was pure and clean as the driven snow and her value had not been dinged. Yes, there were terrible consequences for whatever she had done in her life. And she didn't tell me. I don't need to know those things. I said, in the moment when you did some of those things, you think back on the worst thing you've ever done. In the moment when you did it, could you have done anything else? You eventually had to make a decision. And you did. And yeah, you regretted it. Yeah, there was tremendous consequences. You can't get out of those because we live in time. But you knew why you did that. And when she forgave herself, when she gave herself grace, she was able to give it to her father because it's just a natural thing that happens. Okay? So the reason listeners are so against me saying that these people that committed horrors did not do it sinlessly or that they're still perfect and have perfect value is because they themselves don't believe that they should be forgiven. It's their own... Un- now, this is, this is really critical here. Because... It's their own unforgiveness that smacks up against this. Because they can't accept... Now, say that again for me, because I'm still trying to understand this. Well, it's their own unforgiveness that smacks of up... Of themselves. Ag- of themselves. That makes it impossible for, them to un- for you to understand what you're talking about here. Yeah. To understand... The, what, the, what we do when we say, just forgive and you'll be better, is running over the whole aspect of yourself. You're forgetting 
You, you don't understand how to forgive yourself, and yet you're supposed to forgive somebody else that you understand even least, less. And it doesn't truly happen. You have to understand your own soul. This is the meaning of the at-one-ment, the atonement, that coming together of your own soul. This is true peace. This is true understanding. This is true forgiveness. Because this fake stuff isn't working, is it? Oh, no. Just leads to more anxiety. Yeah, we're intelligent beings. Okay, so, but that's, they are where they are, okay? They can't forgive themselves, and that's where they are. Do we want to call them a sinner for not forgiving themselves? I mean, wouldn't that just be cruel? All right. Okay, so we don't want, we don't want to throw that out. I mean, even the meanest of us don't want to do that necessarily, because they're where they are. They can't forgive themselves. And they can't be anywhere else but where they are. They are in an unforgiving state. Within their own souls. Okay? So any act of forgiveness they do on the outside towards somebody else is just force. Just a fake. Just, all right. All right. All right. I forgive you. When, when deep inside the turmoil continues to boil. Like I said last time, you either forgive or you don't. It's not something you force yourself to do. Right. Okay? So they are doing exactly what they think is right. It's the best choice for them to not forgive themselves right now. So wouldn't it sound just ridiculous to say to them, just forgive. Just forgive yourself. What's the matter with you? Just forgive yourself. How come people don't get mad at us for not forgiving ourselves? Yeah. So, like I said, they either forgive or they don't. It's not something you force yourself to do. Do you want the words just to be said? I mean, that's the, that's the next logical step. Do you just need the words to be said? I forgive you. Well, sometimes that can move towards closer, better understanding, I think. But if it's closure, oh, she forgave me now. I don't need to build a house for her. I don't need to be her slave forever. I don't need to try and repair this horrible, heinous thing that I did. She forgave me. They're the ones that say there's no consequences, not me. <laughs> no, there's, that's the main point here is there are tons of consequences. All okay, right. so let's get back to the letter. All right, so he's saying here, still in a world where self-responsibility is neglected, avoided, and sometimes even negated, I'm bothered by non-accountability. Now, I think the only reason James would say that is because he's th- he thinks that's what you're saying. Again, non people aren't when, accountable for what they I, do. I never said well, that. Well, you never once said anything like that. But when you start granting grace to the worst offenders in the sense that it's the same grace we would extend towards ourselves. It's almost like you're absolving them of what they've done. Okay, go on about your business. It's okay. We'll bury these people you just killed. But, you know, go ahead. Don't kill anybody else. That's not at all what you're saying. No, and in an eternal sense, it would be. But, but because we have time here, because there are consequences we can't get out of, we, we have to live a life without our husband that got killed, or we have to live a life with our heart broken, or we have to live a life with, um, I don't know, if we don't get an education. Having been maimed. Then we have a consequence of that, or yes. being maimed, or, you know. The person who is 
paralyzed because they got hit by a drunk driver. Yeah, after there's, this life, there's is, consequences for that. Yeah, is that going to matter? There won't be time. It's like if you, it's like if you break your leg. Maybe you were doing something stupid, as people would say, and climbing up a ladder without shoes, and you slipped and you fell and you broke your leg. Okay, now people don't really think of that as a sin, but you could. You could go, oh man, I knew better than to. Because I did it on a Sunday. Yeah, or I. Or if I, I hadn't been doing that on a Sunday, I wouldn't have broke yeah, my leg. Okay, so that's now kind I ridiculous. But there's. I'm trying to be I ridiculous. I know, that's too ridiculous. So, but if, if you could say, well, if I had worn shoes instead of gone up the ladder without my, my um, barefoot and I wouldn't have slipped, or I shouldn't have been climbing that mountain. How stupid was that? I know I'm not an expert climber. I should have gotten more experience before I climbed that mountain. It's my fault. Now I have a broken leg. Yeah. You can't get out of those consequences. You can call yourself a sinner if you want. You can call yourself stupid. You can call yourself even evil if you want. But you can't get out of the consequences. Your leg just has to heal. That's it. So, and that's going to take several weeks. Yes. But when you climbed up that ladder without shoes on and slipped, in the moment, that's as advanced as you were. You had not had enough experience to realize, you know, I could probably slip and fall. Or even if you did know that or you've learned that, in that moment, you made a choice to do it. It was your choice. You're responsible for the consequences, but it didn't ding your value. That's the very point I'm getting to. This is what causes all the wars in the world. This is what causes all the horrible things in the world, is we think it dings our value. And then the flip side is, if I can lord myself over you, if you can come to me for the rules, if I can set myself up as God and you have to come to me because I have the right religion or I have the right laws and rules, I'm better than you, then I get this sense of perfection. Not perfection, value. I get this sense of value and I say, I, everything I think is right. And that's true. It is. It is. It is. Well, that's it is you're, for them. you're defining narcissism. You're defining those who are the law as an end in itself for them. And whatever they do is okay because they are the center of everything that happens. Well, that's narcissism because you want to do it without consequences. That's what's so horrible about narcissism. You want to do it without consequences. Sure, what you think in your own head is right. You can't think anything else but what's in your own head. But when you set yourself up, up as a God, as narcissistic God, you don't want any consequences. See, even Jesus broke rules, okay? They say he was perfect, but he broke rules. How do we put those two together? Well, the, the leaders of the Jews hated him for, for that very thing, but also so he because he forgave the sinners. There you go. They hated him because he forgave the sinners. The point is that we all say that Jesus was perfect. He never sinned. And yet he broke rules. He was the perfect example of a God within. We break rules all the time. When we speed, yeah, you know, we know we shouldn't speed. We know it's breaking a rule. You know, if we get in an accident 
and we've been speeding, then there's consequences. There's consequences. But we're willing to risk those consequences, but you can't get out of the consequences. But it doesn't ding your value. It didn't ding Jesus's value. Okay, now what's the what's the what's the importance of that? So what? So what that it doesn't ding their value? I think what you're saying is that people who have a very poor sense of self-value then are those who are more prone to hurt somebody else. Is yes, that what you're saying? They're, they're because they believe that their value somehow has been diminished, that they're trash, you know, come home with honor. Well, I didn't last night. Because so. they're completely separated from their soul. Okay. Now, that's the thing I want to get to here is what allowed the Hutus to slaughter the Tutsis? Well, they explained that in the article quite a bit. And one lady who was especially forgiving or understanding said, I realized that the government taught them to do this, and I realized they didn't know any better. Yeah. They didn't recognize the consequences. But at the time they were doing the slaughter, they thought they were right. They thought they were right. Now that's a big leap. It is. It's hard to under... No, no, they knew that they shouldn't be doing it. No. No. That's not what the record says. A few of them came back and asked for forgiveness. Yes. A few of them came back and did this. But the vast majority didn't. No. Because they couldn't live with what they had done to themselves. How could they possibly go ask somebody else to forgive them? They got a little more experience. They got a little more understanding. Okay, let's go back to, before we finish his letter, let's go back to a little bit about what causes the most pain. You mean besides physical pain, besides, you know, some terrible disease or something What like is that. the thing we are, we are afraid of the most? Be, and I know you, you know, death. Well, not being accepted. Well, yeah. The things that we do Separating. as children, the things we do as adolescents, the things we do as adults to be accepted by our religious leaders, our parents, our, our siblings, our peer group. And the, what causes the most pain when we are separated, when we're told we're dumb, when we're told we're fat. We're not enough. We're not enough. So who had more pain, King David or Job, since we're throwing scriptures around here for a minute, which I well, hate to do because I feel like it's a God threat. Like, oh, well, because this happened, you know, then you have to believe it because it's in the scriptures. So I'm not saying that, but it's a good example. Most people understand King David um, committed adultery and then he had his wife's husband killed in battle. So he committed murder too. Yes. So he did both of those things. And then there's Job who... The devil and and God are battling over who he will, you know... Yeah, that's the backstory. But he just got hurt. I mean, he got physically hurt. He got separated from his wife. He lost his wife. He lost his children. He lost all his herds. He lost everything. And he's sitting there in the dust covered with boils. (laughs) Okay, so who... (laughs) Who is in more pain? Now, you want to just not think very deep and go, well, Job, my goodness, he's covered in boils and he's lost everything. But really, you know who is in more pain. Well, Job ends up getting what? Ten times what he had to begin well, I'm with not because talking of his obedience. Point. But look at the wailing of David at the loss of his son Absalom mm-hmm. and his his eventual loss of the kingdom and the loss of everything. Well, because wh- he lost himself. He thought he was damned. Yes. He thought he had no value. Job never thought that. 
Job always thought he was, you know, a pretty cool guy. I mean, I'm, these are just analogies. Who knows? Yes. But King David, that's where the real pain came in because the biggest lie causes the most pain. So what is the biggest lie? That we don't have value, regardless of our behaviors. That's the biggest lie. And that's what we try to throw on other people so they're in pain for what they did. Okay, now here's the disconnect Talk for a lot of people. When you say that, a lot of people begin to think, well, then they don't have to pay for what they did in order for them to not have to suffer because of what they did. You're not saying that at all. They may still have to go to jail. That, that bone still has to heal. That, bo- that broken leg still has to have time to heal. And I They don't... still may suffer the rest of their life, but the onus is on us in understanding why what happened happened so that our hearts can heal. Yeah. And we can understand the beautiful primal value that we were born with. Yeah, I don't think those women in Rwanda are ever going to not feel the consequences of what happened. Okay? I don't think they ever will. I mean, they may. They they may, but I don't think in time. If you live in time, in this linear world, I don't think you can get out of those big of consequences. That's why you kind of almost have to die. That's why there's capital punishment for those types of sins. Because to understand that, the biggest pain causes the, the biggest lie causes the most pain. Their husband and children are really not gone. They're still there. So, so that's why that, that separation, that massive separation that we believe what do you mean when and you how say do you they're not, still there? How do you not believe that in this life? That's what I'm talking about, in this life. How do you not believe that your children aren't really gone or your husband is not really gone? You really can't, okay? So that suffering goes on and on and on and on. So why don't we figure out why that was even caused? Why don't we look at the foundational reason why somebody needed to kill another person? Why the Hutus had to be in power, or they had to be the right ones, or they had to be the better ones, and they had to lord their power, the alpha male type thing. The Muslims, why do they have to do suicide bombings? Why do they have to be right? Why do we have to be right? If we, if we fix the reason for these things happening, maybe the wars will stop. That's... The whole maybe point the we're coming to. Maybe the wars in our marriages, maybe the wars in our family will stop. Maybe we will have peace when we finally understand that separation is not really, that duality is not really a real place. And what I'm, and that's, that's an ethereal kind of thing we can't really understand in this linear time that we have, but we can in our own hearts. That is the whole message of the atonement, that at one moment with self. If we truly understood ourselves, and that's hard to do, if we truly can give ourselves grace and we see ourselves as a tender soul, when you're hurt, then you can go up to the perpetrator and bleed all over the carpet 
and say, and have enough value to say, I'm hurting. I'm bleeding everywhere. I'm hurting to the point where I just want to lash out at you and hurt you back. Let me explain how much I'm hurting. When you can value your own soul to that point, when you can say, I hurt, I understand myself, I've disappeared, I am, I am me. When you can have that oneness of self, when you can see you, then you can explain to other people and then they can learn from that, maybe, and maybe they won't do it again. This has such great power. For instance, I've given this example before on the radio show, I don't think on the podcast. Let's say somebody's holding a gun to your head and you have one chance One chance to say something to them, to try and convince them otherwise. Because people are love. Love is not an option. You have one chance. How many people, when they had a gun held to their head, would sit there and go, you know, you're going to go to hell for this. God's not going to like you. You're a piece of crap. You're an awful person. You're terrible. Why would you even think of killing me? You're, you're sick and just condemn them and condemn them and condemn them. No, that's not what they do, do they? When it comes down to the actual moment when you want somebody to hear your soul, you give out your soul. You say, please, please don't kill me. Please let you, let, I want you to see my heart. I have children. I have a family that loves me. I've been working for 15 years and you can't take it. I don't want you to take it away from me. That's the only chance. It's a slim one, mind you, because the the murderer, the almost murderer is so disconnected from their soul. They don't see their value, of course, or they probably wouldn't be doing what they're doing. But that's the only chance you have. That's it. You beg and you plead and you show your soul. You don't condemn. So when people condemn and basically throw a Bible at you and say, you should just forgive, it's the right thing to do. How often does that work? I mean, truly, truly work. They usually will withdraw from the person who said that to them. Yeah. They separate from them. Yeah. Because the person who threw the Bible at them doesn't understand their pain. There's a beautiful book called The Mutant Message Down Under. And in that, it's a lady that goes to Australia and travels with the Aborigines. And they have a very simple life and they have, you know, wonderful ideas about certain things. But they don't even understand the concept of guilt or that your value has been hurt or that you need to repent, so to speak. But of course, there's consequences. When they, they talk about a, when a teenage, usually boy, you know, gets rambunctious or hurts somebody or does something that has, you know, consequences they don't like, they don't sit there and throw Bibles at them or, or condemn them or tell them they're terrible people. You're awful people. They put them in the middle of a circle and they sing their song. 
Every one of the Aborigines is born with a song, and they, as soon as a baby's born, they're given a song, and they sing it. And they sing it to them. It's a unique song just for them. Nobody else has it. You mean the elders sing it to them? Yeah, or their mother. Or the rest of the tribe. Their, yeah, their mother or whoever gives them this song as a baby, and they sing it to them all the time, telling them of their worth, so to speak. I mean, what is more beautiful than a song? It doesn't even need words. So they sing their song to them. Now, that does not get rid of their consequences by any means. But, the, but it's the only way to stop that child from continuing to decimate and hurt other people or to hurt the community. They knew intrinsically this is the way to do it. To bring them back to themselves. To bring them back to themselves. So this is what people are fighting me so much about. This is what's so kind of hilarious that nobody else wants anybody else to think, nobody wants anybody else to think they're valuable. Truly. You know, I can't, we can't let them have one up on us. No. They can't think that they're okay. Yeah. That's what he, James is upset about. That I was telling people that they're okay when they, cre- when they did heinous acts. That's what he's upset about. That very thing, because he can't, See himself as being okay. He can't see himself as being okay. So he can't understand how anybody else could do something. They know the difference between right and wrong. They just shouldn't have done it. Yes. Well, Jesus shouldn't have broken any rules either. What's the bottom line? With that logic. What's the bottom line then of understanding that someone who commits a horrible crime and you are a participant in the courtroom and you hear all the evidence brought against him by the jury... You watch the jury go deliberate. They come back. They, they, the person's guilty. Uh, they're either going to lose their life or be in prison for the rest of their life. But as you sat there in the courtroom, you heard both sides of the story. You may be able to understand why this fellow did what he did, but he's going to be in prison the rest of his and life. And don't you want closure? You know, people talk about, well, he was killed for what he did to him. You know, the, the murderer was killed. He capital punishment, and they killed him. And he says, now we have closure is that really the kind of closure you want? I still agree well, with that. Well, that goes back to the revenge idea you were talking about. We got our revenge. Yeah. He's dead. But wouldn't that person rather have fallen down in front of the murderer and bled in front of him? Wouldn't that person have rather had closure that way? And if the murderer had actually heard their pain, their pain can you imagine that kind of closure? Yeah. I mean, that's... Oh, my God, what have I done? That is They beauty. go down on their knees in front of the offended and beg their forgiveness. Yeah. They still might have to have capital punishment just to keep the, the laws in the country and those types of things, which we've set up to, you know, um, well, scare people away from committing murder. We know it doesn't work. We say that all the time. You know, capital punishment doesn't scare people from not committing murder. We say it all the time. We know it doesn't work. But regardless, that's the laws we have set up and we've all agreed to and everything like that. But wouldn't you like to fix the problem so there's no more murderers? Wouldn't you like that? And if a person was so in touch with their own soul and the pain they have caused themselves, the consequences they've caused themselves because they've committed certain things, do you think that they would keep on doing it? I mean, isn't that the true way of really solving this problem instead of throwing everybody in jail? 
instead of, you know, well, I paid my fine, so I'm fine now. You know, some old lady got, you know, ripped off of her whole life savings. Well, I paid well, my I debt to jail. society. I was in jail for seven years. Yes, I know her. She lost her house. She lost her pension. She lost her retirement. She lost everything. But I paid my seven years in prison, and so I've done my part. Wouldn't it be better if that man went and built her a roof? Yeah. I Once mean, he truly, got out of prison. But we can't give that grace to those people. We can't give that, that grace no, to Bernie Madoff. He's an ex-con. He's a bad person. Yeah. We can't do it because we can't give it to ourselves. I'm that sorry. That is probably the most profound thing that you have said. This is the only reason we have these problems in this world. Um, we can't give somebody forgiveness because we need them to think they're devils still, so they will come to us for approbation. So they will come to us for the Ten Commandments. So we can still set ourselves up as gods and say, our way is the right way. Your way is the wrong way. We can't let people think they're perfect because then where will we be? See, this is because we can't see that. This in is ourselves. so diabolical that we have to set ourselves up as a better than somebody else in order to have value. That's what the whole world is set is set up as. We're, it's just this dog eat dog world. I'm better than you. I didn't do this. I mean, I, I could come up with examples forever. Yeah, I might have done something bad, but boy, I didn't do. Boy, what I you didn't did. do that, and I don't understand why she would do that. She's awful. Because yeah. I would never do that. But given the same sort of sort of well, you would do what you would do. You do, you what, you do would what you do. Who knows what you would do? Who, who knows? Right. You do what you do. Right. We all do what we think is right in every given moment. That is the ultimate, and that's why I always say to do something only because it is the right thing to do. We must first have our value shamed out of us. Do you want a bunch of people out there doing things because it's the right thing to do? I mean. You, you first got to set down the rules. What's the right thing? You know, and then they got arguments forever. You know, it's the Ten Commandments. No, it's this. No, it's the Quran. No, it's this. But, but do you really want people doing things because it's the right thing to do? Like he said in his, in his thing, people know the difference between right and wrong. Well, who's right and wrong? Well, yeah, exactly. And who's? one person's right is another person's wrong. Yes. So that's an argument that's just distracting. That's all it is. So if we didn't shame the value out of our little children, if we didn't shame it out of our husbands, if we didn't shame their value out of, out of the Muslims, you're just terrible people. If we truly understood our own soul and our own country and were able to look at ourselves because we didn't have to be top dog, we, we might have done something that hurt some other people. We didn't have to always be right in that we couldn't yes. look at, at ourselves as, oh, no, I did something. Oh, it hurt other people, but my value's still intact. I'm going to sing my own song. Yeah. Then this would stop. Then all the murderers would stop. The wars would stop. We would live in that millennial peace that everybody always talks about.
I want to explain the definition of evil here. Because a lot of people say that I don't think there's any evil. And that's totally not true. The definition of evil is when you require of somebody else that which you're not willing to do. I'm not willing to let somebody else kill my child. That's, but you'll go out and kill their child. That's an evil, evil act. And there are definitely evil, evil acts. And there's another, there's a corollary to that. Okay. Which is um, giving yourself special privileges, powers, permissions that you refuse to give somebody else. In other words, saying your way or the highway. Yeah. My way's right, your way's wrong, you are less than. You would not ever want anybody doing that to you. You don't want anybody questioning you. You don't want anybody saying what you did, you know, how could you do that? Or what you did was wrong. When in your mind, if you're still standing on that hill, you know, (laughs) you're going to die on, you're like, no, 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 there was a reason I did it. Let me explain. Let me explain myself. Now, might get to the point where it doesn't matter. The consequences are so horrific that you can explain all day long. You still have to deal with the consequences. But nobody in their own mind thinks they're evil. Nobody does. They may do evil, evil things, things that they would never want done to them. I mean, that's the opposite of the golden rule. Yes. Of course. That's the evil. We would never want some of these things to happen to us. But in the moment we did them, we were fully justified in doing that. And you have to go back and listen to the five-minute forgiveness cure. Yes, again, we're refer- referring to podcast 16. To understand that concept. Okay, there's one more paragraph left. Yeah, there's, with James's letter here, we can kind of wrap it up with this. Okay. He says, I may have gotten off your topic of no such thing as sin which is not your topic, you never said anything like that. never. With reference to the young girl you were talking about, but you did then tell the story of a cop who shot a guy in the back. In that case, I understand the moment phenomenon, but for every one of these, there are inexcusable actions of sheer horror and violence by others. Are they really doing the best they can in those moments that often carry on for minutes, hours, days? As I've heard Jack say on the radio more than once, something to the effect that every statement can be seen as faulty from some perspective. Mm -hmm. Perhaps I've taken your statement too seriously and assigned it to an absoluteness that you didn't intend. Oh, well, no harm done. I got it off my (laughs) chest. Peace. Still a fan. See what he thinks. He thinks is right. Yes. You can't can't change it. I want to go back to the statement. It says, are they really doing the best they can in those moments that often carry on for minutes, hours, and days? And I want to say, oh, I don't know, James. Are you? Are you really doing the best you can in the moments that you make the decisions you make? Uh, He's talking about like premeditated stuff. Like, I am going to go do this, and then I'm going to go do it again. And you do it, and, you know... Maybe you get away with it. I don't know. And you just go do it again, like gossiping or um, speeding or um, committing adultery or maybe a serial murderer or the pedophile that doesn't stop. Okay, we need to bring this down to something more logical. Um, 
I did the speeding. That's pretty innocuous. But um, some sin, quote sin. Oh, I did. I told on myself last time. I said yelling at my kids. Day in, what did he say here? Carry on for minutes, hours, hours and days. days. Yes. I think I yelled at my kids. For years. For, for years. Yes. Premeditated. I mean, whoa, that worked really well last time. I think I'll yell at them again to yeah. get in the car faster. Then after you yelled at them, you kind of wished you hadn't done it. But when you yelled at them, what else? That's all you could do. Because that was the level of my experience. Yes. I want to ex express this again and explain this again. If I saw way down the road, if I had all this experience before I yelled at him and saw the damage it did for yelling them, I probably wouldn't. But in the moment, I didn't have that. For instance, I yelled way less at our last child than I did my poor first child and second and third and fourth. <laughs> I yelled way less. I still yell. I have to tell you that. I still do that. I still don't have a lot of experience, as much experience as, you know, I don't know, somebody else that has more. I still um, um, don't understand it as well, or I wouldn't yell at all because I know there's bad consequences for it. I don't know if it's really premeditated, but everything you do, James, in the minutes, hours, and days that you do it, you think it's the right thing to do because how could you be smarter than you are? How could you be more advanced? I wish I was more advanced. I wish I had been more advanced when I had my first child at 19. My goodness. But how could I be? With the way you were raised, with the training you had, and the thoughts that were going through your mind at the time you got married, how could you have done anything else? Yes. And so going back to his letter where he said, you know, if you go back and these people get off from the consequences because they show their... their um, Contrition. No, no. They show the bad youth they had. That oh, they're, oh, yes. You know, I mean, you go look at Hitler's youth and, you know, you kind of get a little oh, understanding. Hitler, Hitler got beat up by his father every day. But still, you, we'd all collectively couldn't go bleed in front of Hitler. You see? So we do the most evil thing that we would never want to happen to us. We condemn Hitler's value. He's probably the most... What's vilified, vilified yeah. person on earth, you know, oh, that was, that was as bad as Hitler or, you know, yeah. you know, but that's his value we're talking about. We're putting together what he did, which was heinous, that the consequences go on for generations, forever, heinous, heinous, heinous cons and consequences, but we condemn his value and that's the way we keep people in control is by condemning right. their value. That's why churches because have so much power, because they're able to condemn you after this life. Yes. Not even in this and, life. But. And, and to the people who mean something to us because we want their approbation, when they condemn us, we'll do anything we have to do to get their validation like down the parents. road. Like our parents. Yeah. You know, we, we, you know, if it's done for that reason. If, if a parent comes up to them and says, look at the damage you did. Look what happened. Look at all this that happened. And now daddy has to work super hard to pay for the piano you decided to pour water into. L let me show you the consequences. Let's go on and on and on. Look how we have to pay this painter to come in and fix the, the, the wall that you sprayed paint all over. 
Look at the consequences of you getting this girl pregnant, not thinking of her heart at all and her future, nor your future. Look at the consequences of doing drugs. Let me show you the consequences. I'm, I'm telling you, Jack, I'm the one that's all about consequences. I'm the one that's always saying, look at the blood on the wall. Look what will happen if you get hooked on cocaine. Let me show you these meth addicts. Let me show you the consequences, but never, never have you heard me ding their value. Never have you heard me tell my children, you're not worth a blankety blank thing. Yeah, you're not enough. Because you Look did Look at this. what you've done here. You're less than, than what you should be. You've never said anything yeah, like that. Yeah, because how do you live a life with no, no honor? honor? Yes. You go out and commit wars. You go out and commit larceny. You go out and lord yourself over your wife or you lord yourself over your children, or over your coworker. I'm better than he is. That's how you live a life with no honor. It's the devil's plan. It is the worst hell on earth. And that's what we've created. Now, I'd like to wrap this around into health because this is a health show. But I think it's emotional health, and I don't think you know how to get yourself healthy. Well, there's a psychosomatic aspect of the human body that when we have serious problems with our own self-image, it manifests itself viscerally in organ dysfunction. That's been, this has been researched over and over Well, again. that's Anita Morjani in, what's the name of her book? Dying to Be oh, Me. Oh, Dying to Be Me. That was, that's her whole premise in Dying to Be Me, is that she was trying to find her value by her behaviors for years and years and years. And she found on the other side that she was magnificent. And the other thing she said that was so poignant and so right on is she said, I had no idea I had so much power to give myself cancer. Look at the power I had. And then she came back and proved it because she came back and had the power to cure her cancer. Now, that's a huge leap, and you'll just have to read her book to understand that. But she found her magnificence. And do you think she's going to go out and hurt other people? She's going out teaching other people their magnificence. Yeah. That's what would happen to this world. And we'd be able to hear our soul. We'd be able to hear what we crave. We'd be able to, man, I have enough value to say, I want a steak tonight, Jack. I literally have girls that call me. This one little girl, I have to tell the story really quick. She was newly married. She had a little boy. She was like 23 years old. And she came to me bawling. She didn't stop bawling through the whole thing. She said, my husband and my therapist and my doctor all say I'm selfish because I won't go on Prozac. Because I've, I've had such postpartum depression and I'm so depressed. And if my little boy gets a runny nose, I go into a catatonic state for two days, afraid he will die. Okay. I didn't do much with her as far as the five minute forgiveness cure, but I did give her some stuff. And she said, I'm here. And I said, you just, sweetie, you just need your, you know, your endocrine system fed. You've been feeding it sugar and all kinds of other horrible things. And I did. And I helped her. She didn't have a lot of money. I didn't do a lot for her, but she has stayed in contact with me for, I guess, five years now. She just texted me yesterday. She texts me about every six months, just a little, Hey, I'm having this problem. What do you think? So I'll give her recommendations, and she's always like, well, I don't, I don't, that's, 
uh, no, no, I can't, I can't, no, I, d- I don't think I'll ask my husband that. No, I don't. Can I just get two things? Will that get me ma- better, Mary, if I just get two supplements instead of these six that you're recommending? I mean, it's that kind of thing. I just want to grab her and just put her face in my hand and say, you are so valuable. Do you know what it will fix in the long run? where you won't be a bother to your husband or your, to your family or to your bank account if you'll fix this now. But I, you know, I can't get that through to her. That's a lot of the problem here, at least in Utah where we are. The people just cannot validate themselves enough to go, you know what, I'm worth it. I have another lady who says that to me all the time, and she's gotten so much better. She's, in fact, we put her charts up on the wall. Her husband thinks what we do is witchcraft, I mean, literally, he thinks it's ridiculous. He's not going to validate it. No, and that's the whole point. If I told that story, it's all about him being the big guy and she not, and him not validating her in this. I see that dynamic all the time in married couples. I just won't let the other person be right. But anyway, she went ahead with it. She's like, I'm worth it. I'm worth it. And she has, I've been taking care of her since 2004. And she just dances in the chair. It's a beautiful thing. Do you see the pain she um, got rid of? There's another word for that. There's the pain that she escaped from that she did not have to experience. You know, the breakdown of her whole body. Because she validated herself. She was valuable. So if we can do that with our own souls, can you see the peace, let alone the health, the physical health, of everybody, but just the peace. And that's all they really want. That's all we want. That's all I want is that peace. But there is still consequences. That's what you need to get across. And maybe you'll take better care of yourself if you understand the consequences better. If you understand, I will break my husband's heart if I commit adultery on him. I will shatter him into a million pieces. I don't want to do that to myself. I don't want to feel that pain myself. I want to be kinder to myself. I would never want to see that. When you can see the true consequences for your actions, then if you have enough love of self and don't want to go through that, then it might stop the wars. It might stop the horror. I'd like to add. I don't know what else would show, work, but I I can't possibly add anything. Tell me to something what you've that said. will work. Throwing a Bible at you, condemning you, yeah. telling somebody you're a terrible person. Genocide. Get rid of them all. Just yeah. kill them. Bomb you, them all. Bomb you them won't all. come back with honor. God won't love you. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very powerful, controlling statement among the religious. Yeah. God will withhold his love from you. The God I worship would be one that would know me naked. Everything I've done, everything emotionally, everything, and still love me. Oh, isn't that a God you want to worship? Isn't that truly the one that we love? The one we're drawn to? Somebody that knows all our warts and foibles and horror, and our dark hidden sins, and, and still, still loves, us. loves us. Doesn't that just make you, because we all want to be one. 
That's where we're all moving to. Everything is. This table is degenerating into the oneness. We're all going back to the oneness, and we're drawn to that. We're drawn to being naked and transparent in front of everybody. Isn't that the most peaceful place to be? To have your value completely perfect. And that's where we are. That's where we truly are. That is the true state of ourselves. That is the atonement in a nutshell. At one moment. Well, I think you've explained it. If not, I'll do it again. Maybe we'll interview somebody. <laughs> yeah. It's a hard concept to get across. We've been, we've been taught the exact opposite, that the things we do affect our value. We've been taught that our whole life from yeah. everybody, not just church, not just family, not just, you know, everybody. So it's a hard concept to get. So, James, in conclusion here, there are consequences for breaking the law. There's consequences for hurting people. And there's people that do very, very evil things. Yes, there are. As we taught our son, there are no bad people. There are mean people and there are nice people. Make your friends the nice people. Be nice to yourself and hang around nice people. Yes. But there's no bad people. I don't know what to say at this point. Well... I, I, I am moved. The perfect time to teach people of their perfect value and to face the consequences of their actions is after they've sinned. Well, we can beat them up and warn them about what will happen if they do sin. But like you say, the best time is after well, the experience. Yeah, but that's, unfortunately, that's the exact time we destroy their value. <laughs> we, we dictate how they can crawl out of their pit of guilt and despair, you know, in order to regain their value through, you know, these step-by-step -step performances. Oh, yes. This you do is, this, then you can do this, and then if you'll do this... Then I'll accept you. Then I'll accept you. And that just further retards their understanding of their soul and their innate Yeah, because value. we're teaching them again that their value is based on their performance. Since they lost all their value by a bad performance, if you will do all these good performances you know, this penance, then perhaps you can be a good person again. Yeah, because we want people who do bad things to be declared bad people rather than helping them see their value apart from their actions. Um, people will still suffer the consequences of their behavior, but we can help them see their value um, from their behavior. We can help them heal and as well as heal those that they hurt. Yeah, so you can, on the one hand, Help them to understand the eternal value that they are, that they probably lost sight of, that allowed them to do the bad behavior. Mm -hmm. But because they don't understand the first principle, they get caught up in the second one, and then they go down this cycle, well, I'm just not a very good person, which will breed more bad yeah, behavior. Yeah. We're magnificent beings. And we don't see that because we equate our value with our behaviors. So if we can see the magnificence of our own existence, that we're magnificent just because we exist, then we can see who and what we are in a different light and be less inclined to behave, you know, in a way that hurts people. This uh, is a quote. 
Yeah, I really like this. I think I snagged this off of Facebook. If I would have known that the only thing that would bring me to a place of forgiveness, adventure, and new opportunities and acceptance was self-love, I would have granted myself that moment long ago. That moment is now. You can do it right now. And then the last slide here is a really wonderful human being. I wish the whole world knew who she was. She just posted this on her Facebook one day, and I think it's so beautiful. She said, I was just pondering the beauty of being with, of sitting silently with someone who is hurting, of bearing witness or paying attention in the field of love, not fixing or hoping or knowing, just allowing that person to feel your care. Only those filled with self-love have the capacity to do it. It is so profound and at the same time so simple. When I go into this feeling of this, it literally swells my heart. I am carried away on a current of what it means to be truly human. I am moved beyond words. So how many times has in your short five decades of life, (laughs) someone sat down with you when you were hurting And rather than being with the hurt to show that you cared for no other reason than to share the hurt, how many times does that happen as opposed to telling you how to get out of the pain? Yeah, the fixing. The fixing. The hoping or the knowing. That's the real big one. I know how to fix this. Let's let's fix this. Let's (laughs) fix this right now. You've gone on in this pain long enough. It's time to fix it. Yeah. Rather than being in the pain with you and sharing it and letting you express what your heart's deepest feelings really are without judgment or control. Well, they can't because they're filled with all kinds of judgments of themselves. So only those filled with self-love have the capacity to do that to where they don't need to go change the world. They can just listen. All right, let's recap. There, see, I'm, try- I'm fixing it because this is an hour and a half long. <laughs> and here I am trying to Well, fix here's it. the ultimate thing to the answer to podcast number 16. Today's podcast number 96 is that there are no consequences to your value, only consequences to your actions. That's, that's the best summary we could come up with here. Yeah. Your value is perfect and intact. It's as clean as the driven snow. You may be paying for the next 20 years for what you did, but your value is still intact. Because we live in this linear time. If you go to the other side, there's no more linear anything, and your value is there. So you're okay, you're safe, just be. And be gentle, kind, and tender to yourself. And the time to do that the most is when you have been really, really mean to yourself. Yeah, I've heard you say this to our son Rourke a number of times. When when you saw him, even in a small degree, demonstrating some revengeful feeling or or the bordering with some meanness, you would sit down with him. I remember this, and you'd say, "And this is you, you know, this was the time to be gentle, kind, and tender." We we think of after the fact. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm he hurt me, and I want to go kill him. And we think, well, now let's be kind and gentle and tender. To other people. No, this is the time to be gentle to yourself. To be gentle to yourself. 
when the meanness wells up inside of you, when you the vengefulness forgive, wells up inside of you. You forgive yourself. You go back and you understand what you did in the moment, whether it was hurting somebody else, when it happened, you think of your intelligence, you think of your your experience, and you think, okay, that was all I could do in that moment. That's how you become gentle, kind, and tender to yourself, and you forgive yourself by understanding it was all you could do. And when you do that, you understand everybody else, and it's all they could have done in the moment. And forgiveness is just there as love is just there. It's not something you have to force yourself to do or go get or decide. Once the understanding takes place so that all of the vindictiveness and the judgment and the separation, the objectivity and everything else can be pushed aside, lying underneath of it is nothing but love. Mm -hmm. Love of self and love of everybody else. Because love is not an option. All right. We're going to close this up. Yeah. Once you take our free symptom survey, um, go to our website, ForbiddenDoctor.com, and take our survey so you can get inside after you get your username and password, and you can um, see your personalized protocol sitting there. And this will save you money in the long run because you're not buying supplements you don't need. So once you become a patient, you can get into the inner sanctum of our website and see everything we have there. Um, you can search for any kind of symptom, depression. I would recommend searching for gaps and gut health and, you know, hormone health and all of those things that will help you on a foundational level. And then up pops a protocol for things that will help you support your body foundationally. So the statements above made about specific products have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease, including depression. Although we didn't talk much about yes. supplements in this podcast. But, but all information provided on and or any information contained on or in any product label packaging or this webinar or any of our other webinars mm-hmm. is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professionals, such as your local therapist, psychologist, counselor, <laughs> that whatever goes, else. That goes with this podcast yes. better. Here's our contact information. You can email us, text us, or call us. You can even come in and see us. There's our address right there. And we would love to get some letters from you, and maybe we'll talk about those on the air, because this these types of podcasts always generate a lot of listener. A lot of angst, but a lot of freedom and a lot of love. Sometimes. All right. I can't tell you how moved I am by this podcast, Mary, listening to you. It's just where we're going to rip a hole in the universe and go into another universe and find true healing, true emotional healing, true physical healing, and bring it back to this side and get rid of all the the other band-aids that we use all the time and managing symptoms and forcing people to forgive and forcing people to be nice and then killing everybody that hurts us. This is the foundational healing that we, uh, I would like to see everywhere. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>